Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon Ashton Lee. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance for Colin Day. Colin everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall for Colin Day. It's been coming. Spots a gap and he goes through it. And Ackroyd gets the first try of the game for Siddle. Dan Bradley on his debut scores his first goal for Files. They've got it with Smith. They've got it with Smith. They've got a score with Smith. Unbelievable. Great chance. They've won it. Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to the Match Day FM podcast. I'm Robert Lee. I'm going to be joined by Kieran Makin and Sam Jordan in today's special podcast where we're going to be talking about boxing. Yeah, we're taking a break away from the pitch, taking a break away from the field, and we're going to be talking about the square circle. Uh, nice of you to join uh, me, gentlemen. Uh, Kieran, coming to you, uh, having a nice time uh, with the whole coronavirus lockdown. Uh, yeah, well, as lovely as it can be. Um, obviously, me and you, Rob, have seen... Uh, quite a bit of each other over the old virtual screens. So um, it, it's nice to see Sam with us, to be honest. Yeah, it is nice to have some of us, Sam. Great to see He's smiling away. You can't see it on the podcast, <laughs> but he's smiling away. It's nice to have you, Sam. It's nice to be here. Always nice to see your friendly faces, chaps. <laughs> lovely, lovely. And now we are going to crack straight into this uh, with boxing. And uh, like every sport, there was, it got straight away affected by a, a coronavirus, cancelled events. Um, Guys, let's let's talk about those uh, fights that got cancelled first. Key, I'm going to come to you. I know you'll probably have written thousands of them down. And initially, for me, and from a personal point of view, um, one of those is um, Dillian White v Alexander Povetkin, which was scheduled uh, to be held at the Manchester Arena in early May. Obviously, I, I had tickets to go to that event, and then it got uh, rescheduled for the 4th of July, but behind closed doors. That's what the idea that was touted. Um, and now it's being cancelled and I've got my money back, which is a good thing. But the last thing I need at the minute is money because everything, everything I was ever, ever had planned has been refunded. Um, and now, which we'll discuss later on, that fight has been uh, penciled in for uh, the matchroom fight camp. But we'll go into more detail about that later on. Um, but obviously, there's, there's also other fights as well. Um, Anthony Joshua um, v Pulev. Um, all sorts, really. Sam, Sam's got plenty. I know he's, he's itching to talk about as well, Sam. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's, you, you've named two of the big ones there, uh, AJ versus Pulev. Also, we had uh, Tyson Fury versus Wilder Free. That was due to take place in July, I think. So, um, obviously, that's been pushed back due to the, uh, the pandemic. So, yeah, we've missed out on some cracking fights, certainly here in the UK and, um, and a few over in America as well. I mean, you've, you've, you've both mentioned though, that we have missed out on some some cracking fights and Keith's kind of alluded to it and mentioned it uh, with Behind Closed Doors. I'm, I'm going to kind of kind of turn it on there, on there and it's head really of how we've, instead of going into coronavirus and all these uh, events have been cancelled, how we're going to come out of it and how we're going to get it going again and how is boxing going to get going again. So, uh, Keith, I'm, I'm just going to come to you first because you mentioned Behind Closed Doors. How do we think it's, it's going to work? Um. Well, I think it's something, obviously, they're definitely going to have to do it, aren't they? I mean, again, I, I mentioned it briefly, and I don't want to go into too much detail about it, but the, the fight comes a different concept. But there is going to be some events that will be in empty arenas or empty smaller venues, if you like. Um, how they go about it is it will be interesting, really. And, and I've been thinking about this one. Um, and I, I've looked at another sport that I'm interested in, and, and that's cricket. And I've seen that 
the West Indies are coming over to play England in three test matches, but they're doing it in biosecure venues. So they've picked, strategically picked uh, stadiums that have hotels on site. They have um, training facilities nearby. So I think what they're going to have to do if it comes to a fight is when fighters go into a 12-week training camp, whoever's on that undercard or the main fight, they're going to have to be tested almost every two weeks, and because that's what they say about the symptoms, isn't it? They, they, they kick in after after two weeks or so. They're going to have to be tested for a training camp every two weeks, and then I think maybe a couple of weeks before fight night, they're going to have to be moved into all into a similar location and all staying, you know, in the same hotel. Obviously, advising uh, sticking to the advisory rules of social distancing. Um, and, and that's the only way they can do it, really, from my point of view. And you've got to take into consideration all the other things, like media coming in, because obviously a lot of them, if they're going to be behind closed doors, pay-per-view is going to be massive, isn't it? That's the way they're going to make a lot of the revenue. So they've got to take a lot into consideration. You know, you've got trainers, media, and fighters themselves. Um, so maybe that's one way they can look at it, where they, they, they strategically pick venues that have, you know, hotels close by um, or on-site, and um, training venues within a decent proximity of, of certain arenas. Yeah, I mean that 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 is one way of looking at it, and it means that twenty twenty is really going to be shaping up to be an interesting year. But I just want to kind of get a bit of a flip side on that. Sam, I'm going to come to you on this one. Surely, you know, the desire to fight or the will to fight, surely that goes down to each each fighter, each boxer, and each each training camp, really. Yeah, most definitely. I mean. Obviously, as Kin just mentioned there, you, these, there's going to be boxers who can do that, who, who can be put on the televised shows with no crowds because they don't generate a lot of interest in terms of uh, ticket sales. So uh, we'll see, for example, and I'm not saying that they, they don't sell tickets, but they're not going to sell out massive arenas, will be uh, Natasha Jones versus Teddy Harper for her title. So that's a perfect fight, which would be perfect for TV, um, but also maybe wouldn't sell out an arena. So again, that would be perfect uh, to go on one of these, uh, say, behind closed doors shows. However, if you look at some of the other fighters, I mean, obviously, you're not going to stick AJ on behind closed doors because he sells out 90,000 every time he fights. Uh, I am a little bit surprised that they're putting Dillian White on behind closed doors because, again, he's a big ticket seller. But then you look at Derek Chisora, for example, they won't put him on behind closed doors, one, because he's a massive ticket seller, two, because he needs all the support he can get because he's in a really tough fight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's certain fighters that would suit it, um, that that concept that Caden's mentioned, but um, certain fighters who, who I just feel are too big um, for the concept and will probably have to wait until the end of the year until things return to normal. But one other interesting case uh, would be in terms of fighters who maybe just don't want to fight, who aren't in the right mental frame of mind to fight. I mean, a perfect example of that would be uh, Anthony Yard. So, obviously, Yard's had a really difficult time of late. He's, you know, lost uh, his father to the coronavirus. He's also lost a grandparent to the coronavirus. So, I mean, obviously, fighters are, fighters are a different breed. They probably do want to fight. But could you imagine trying to fight or trying to train for a fight, train properly, when you've had two really devastating deaths in your family in close succession. I mean, I mean, I know they're different for you, but I don't, I've, I, I wouldn't want to do it, put it that way. Yeah. And, and you have kind of come up with a, an interesting point there. If, if you've been directly affected 
by coronavirus. Like like you said, Andy Hardy, we already had it down as a note so to talk about him. He had lost lost two uh, family members, and our condolences go go, go out to him. Um, if if you in that personal state of mind where you've you've been affected, you don't want to be going anywhere near really a, a place which could potentially in, in have more more infection rate or you, you know stuff like that that you you know you, you, it's it's gonna be in the back of your mind i mean i know i know uh you've mentioned it sam um that are we going to be now looking at fights next year at the beginning of next year middle of next year before we're getting the big fights in i don't i don't know what your thought is on that key from a financial point of view definitely i think um or towards the end of this year Sam alluded to it briefly before about Anthony Joshua, that they're never going to stick someone of Joshua's magnitude on behind closed doors because he simply just makes that much money. It would just be a waste of it. He's a brand, isn't he? As well as a, a, the world heavyweight champion, he is a massive brand. Um, so yeah, definitely towards the end of uh, this year. But if, if they have to wait till next year to get it right, I think they will. And they'll just supplement the time in between with you sort of um, your middle tier fights, if you like, and, and your smaller fights. Um, like the venue as well. Venues. We'll come on to this later when we when we uh, delve into US scene. Uh, well, UK and US because it's a crossover fight with Fury and Wilder. We'll, we'll we'll delve into venues and stuff like that. Um, but you know, there's talk about fights if they have to um, put a big fight on and they need a crowd about them going abroad. This is the Matchday FM podcast, bringing you debate, discussion, and the occasional audio argument as we talk the best and worst of sport. You can find details of upcoming episodes on our social media to search for Master FM. Sam, I'm going to come to you straight away on this one. We've seen Anthony Joshua, um, you know, at a rally recently about, you know, the protest of Black Lives Matter and he was in a knee brace. Now he's come out and said it's a a precautionary measure. I just wanted to know, you know, are we we reading into it a bit too much? Is it a precautionary measure or is there maybe a little bit something deeper in that? Uh, Well... For me, normally it, it can it can be one of one of two things. I mean, normally in that situation, if someone's wearing you know protective equipment, which effectively that's what it is, um, it's normally because he suffered some sort of injury. Um, they can try and dress it up and hide it or whichever way he wants. It's you know, for him to be in a knee brace, I'm, I'm guessing he suffered a, you know a decent enough injury. Um, he can try and downplay it all he wants, but. I mean, it doesn't look good. Um, but he's quite forced at the moment, Joshua, isn't he? Because at the moment, he can't fight. Um, he'll be looking to try and get out towards the end of the year. Um, so it doesn't really matter, really, to be honest. But, yeah, he's um, he's in a good position. So if he did pick up any injuries, he can afford to rest up and rest up properly rather than rush his return. I mean, we've seen in previous years when other fighters have had injuries, they've either hid them and gone ahead with the fight anyway, or they've been slaughtered if they've been pulled out. So Josh is in a good position. Yeah, he is in a good position. And, uh, you know, like you said, he's not the first boxer that's maybe hidden away uh, an injury. I know David Hay did it in his in his fight against uh, Tony Bellew and Kay. I know you wanted to speak on that point when we like, discussed what we were on about before the podcast. So I'll jump over to you quickly. Yeah, it's just a quick point, really. And Sam's already mentioned it briefly. I'm just, again, echoing some of the you know, sentiments that he said just then. And it's it's probably nothing, to be honest with Joshua. It, it, it's probably a precaution because, like I was saying before, he's such a, a you know, a, a money sort of spinner, cash cow, if you like. I hate that saying. But you know what I mean? He is the, the golden goose, isn't he, of matchroom boxing. So Eddie Hearn would never risk 
putting him in a fight injured, no chance that's going to happen. So it's probably a precaution. But it has happened in the past where boxers, for one reason or other, have covered up an injury, like you said, David A. There was the before the first Tony Bellew fight, there was rumours that he'd been to uh, to Berlin to see a specialist about his Achilles um, a couple of weeks prior to the fight, and there were just rumours, and I think they got um, pushed to one side pretty quickly. But it turns out that it could have been true, really, because obviously he really damaged his Achilles during the fight, and you know was unable to move for you know pretty much half of the fight. Um, survived to be fair to him for quite a while but he did get you know bad for the majority of it so it, for, for one reason or another boxers do cover it up sometimes I don't know whether it's just a pride thing or you know it's so close to the fight and the money on offer is, is too good to turn there that they just try and push through the pain barrier um, but yeah it's probably nothing with Joshua but it's worth talking about because he's like again, like I said before he's such a big big player in the game yeah, yeah, he is, and like you said, he's, he's he's a golden goose sometimes, and he is the main player for uh, for for matchroom. Uh, speaking of them, the fight camp. Um, I know you've you, you've been brushing up on this key, so I don't I don't really want to steal this bit away from you, and we'll bring Sam back in to have, have a chat about that. But yeah, key, take the floor on the uh, the fight camp. Yeah, so it, it was Sam who, who wanted to stick it in. I've just you know had a had a quick read up on it, and and Sam, you know, jump in if if you want to add anything. I'm sure you will. Um, but it's it, basically what's going to happen is sort of end of July into August over four weekends. Eddie Earn is basically going to set up a ring um, in the sort of back garden of the Matchroom HQ in, in uh, is it Brentwood in Essex, Sam? Is that is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Um, and there's, there's some big fights being touted, um, you know, for the weekend and, and, and getting penciled in. Obviously, Dylan White, Alexander Povetkin is one of those fights at heavyweight. Um, Conor Ben and Chris Jenkins for the British and Commonwealth yeah, welterweight. Obviously, we've got the the uh, the major women's fight as well. We've got Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. Um, that's been penciled in for for the fight camp. And also, as we mentioned earlier as well, we've got the first defence for Teddy Harper against Natasha Jonas. So that's also been penciled in. So as Keaton said, it's it's four weekends, uh, consecutive weekends, one after the other, culminating in Dillian White headlining. Um, so. Eddie Hearn's looking to make a big splash in the, in the boxing comeback, similar to what Dana White did in the UFC. I mean, yeah, it's all about how you come back from it, really, isn't it? And maybe, you know, Eddie Hearn's been, been looking at what Dana's been doing and going, you know what, we could, we could maybe rustle up something similar to that. But he's not the only person who's, who's having to think about and planning stuff. Uh, Frank Warren as well, Sam, he's, he's planning, he's scheming. Yeah, Frank's been a little bit quieter than Eddie, to be fair. He's... he's um... Whenever I've seen Frank on TV, he's always been talking in interviews. He's generally talking about uh, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. But uh, what we do know, for the time being anyway, is that Dubois, uh, Daniel Dubois versus Joe Joyce um, is currently scheduled for July. Um, whether it takes place or not, we don't know. But obviously, that's a big domestic heavyweight showdown, which, to be honest, at first, when it first got announced, everyone was intrigued because it was two heavyweights to uh, rise and both undefeated. Um so everyone was intrigued at why they both took the fight, why they both um, risking their unbeaten records to to potentially, you know, blow a big fight uh, later down the line, or potentially, you know, create uh, when they could have had the fight later down the line uh, between themselves for a, for a much bigger title. But you know, obviously, two of them have signed for the fight. There's, there was a little bit of animosity between the two uh, in the presser uh, early on this year, um, which. Frank, although he promotes both, has taken the side of Daniel Dubois. He's, he's sort of the, uh, 
as Keith phrased it before, the golden goose of uh, Queensby Promotions. So uh, he's took the side of Daniel Dwyer. Obviously, uh, Sam Jones, who's the manager of um, uh, Joe Joyce, is never short of a few words. So it, it, it was quite interesting in the build-up. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's got the fans talking. Very, very similar to how uh, James DeGale and George Groves um, was a few years ago when they, when they fought each other. Obviously, they fought each other at British title level. That could have been a much bigger fight. And it's sort of similar for Dwyer and... Um, and Joyce? Yeah, I mean, you know, it does sound good and there's plans everywhere. You've mentioned a big one, though, uh, which is Fury Wilder 3. Uh, now, I'm doing a bit of reading up on this because it was an, a free location, uh, but it look, it's looking like it could take place in Australia on Boxing Day with Sydney maybe taking the rights and taking the, you know, the crown of work of where it's going to be held. And it's about, they reckon if we could, if they could do it right, it'd be 1.30 PM on Boxing Day, Australian time. So it'd be being back into the, to the States on Christmas night. But that does mean a 2.30 AM for the Fury fans back in Britain and Key. Your thoughts on that? Would you be up for it? 2.30 in the morning, straight from Christmas? Yeah, easy. I, I, well, I, st- I stayed up for, um, for the rematch in uh, in uh, February, so that was about six in the morning. But having said that, I hadn't been on the ale for the whole day, like I will be on Christmas Day. So it would be interesting. But I'd, I'd do my best to stay up for it, absolutely. It's funny just listening to you know we're on about Eddie and coming back with these big plans, and it, it's important. I think it is important how you come back, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we go into US scene about you know TV promotions and and, and promotional rivalries. But Eddie Hearn's looking to make a big splash, isn't it, with the fight camp? Obviously, he's, Matchroom and Sky are tied in together, and and and, and Warren is obviously he, he teamed with BT Sport to try and you know rival Sky Sports. But Eddie's got all these big plans in in the making. I know Warren is focusing a lot on Fury, so maybe that's the one he's thinking about. Um, but this is the way boxing is going, isn't it? I think similar to UFC, like we we touched on before. I think it's like how big can you go? Do you know what I mean? That, that's that's mental, really, isn't it? It's like it's almost like how, how much can we push these boundaries? And you know, if we stick it on Boxing Day and it's on on Christmas Day, let's see what kind of you know reception because they know it'll bring in enough money regardless. But it, it, it'd be interesting to see if people you know picked it up as they would if it was just on a regular weekend. Yeah, maybe. And, and Sam, will you be up at two thirty a.m. with your turkey buddies after uh, <laughs> after after Christmas night on the ale? Rob, you know me, mate. Any major fight, doesn't matter who it is, what time, what country, I'll be watching it. So, and to be fair, 2.30am is a lot earlier, as Keith said, than 5 or 6. So, I'll be well up for that. It's, um, I, I think Australia would be a good location. It's a bit, a bit out there. It's a bit mad. Um, obviously, Australia is not really known for holding big major boxing events. I mean, I know they've, they've held the odd one, like Jeff Horn versus Manny Pacquiao and... Um, a couple of others, but not nothing of that magnitude. Um, but it just goes to show, as, as Caden said, that boxing now is a sport that's becoming global. It used to just be every everything went to America in terms of if it was big. If it was a big fight, it went to America. That was it. Um, years ago, when um, the likes of Muhammad Ali and uh, the other major heavyweights around the time, uh, the Rumble in the Jungle, they, and... and Occasions like that, they they could go abroad because at that at that time there wasn't the TV networks funding uh, promotional companies like there is now. Um, but I mean, it just goes to show, doesn't it, how popular boxing is becoming across the world if Australia can secure that fury wilder. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Ali and, and Foreman actually in the Rumble in the Jungle because you know that when that happened, 
people were like, what, what, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? I mean, Sydney's a bit, you know, a bit less of a remote location than, you know, where the rumble in the jungle was, was based, but it, it's almost become, um, normalized a little bit now, isn't it? All, all these different venues. I mean, going to a Saudi Arabia would, would have been unheard of a few years ago. I know we, that, that country is obviously displayed massive fights. They had, uh, Joshua and, uh, Andy Ruiz junior to the rematch. Um, but and people are still a bit critical because obviously there's a lot still quite a few human rights issues over in Saudi Arabia. But thinking about that, ten years ago, or whatever, a fight in Saudi Arabia wouldn't have been as as commonplace as it is now. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And but could they be, could they be using it potentially as a, as a way of getting into the country, maybe to you know secure that fan base really and get people talking about? It? You know, we've done we've seen other sports try it. Um, you know, quick mention to rugby league of of, of tried holding games in Spain and in France and stuff like that and, and got a team over in Canada. Are they, are they trying to encourage a way into it uh, more more that way, maybe? I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, definitely, absolutely. Like Sam said, it's becoming global, expanding the sport and we, we, we should be, you know, really excited. We're, we're, in, we're in quite a golden era at the minute with boxing. I don't think we, we, we realise it, especially some British fans. All the belts in heavyweight division are owned by two British fighters. That's that's phenomenal. So in our country, definitely, but across the globe, it's it's a golden era. And I think getting into Saudi Arabia, Rob, and I've said it before, we we, we in like throughout this so far, but money. Yeah, there is loads of money in Saudi Arabia. So money. if they can get the crowds in there, happy days. Yeah, money money does talk. So quickly before we we wrap up and get on to the next because I know you want to talk about two other major fighters, Sam. Uh, but what's your thoughts on tapping into Australia? Uh, happening to Australia I mean as I said Australia is a country that you wouldn't associate normally with boxing doesn't add too many stars come from there um, but I'm all for it me um, one of the things I do like about the UFC is that they do try and take it to different territories boxing can be uh, it is monopolized basically in the states a lot of it um, the UK has come into its own maybe in the last five years ten years maybe uh, since Eddie Hearn uh, has brought boxing back into the big time in the UK but um, you would say even still to this day most of the major fights take place in, in the likes of Las Vegas or New York so um, I'm all for it any locations at all whether it be Saudi Arabia whether it's Australia whether it's Dubai I feel like Dubai could become a major player in the game and even um, Japan territories like that because obviously there's talks about Canelo maybe going and fighting over in Japan so I'm all for it any, anything that can make boxing a more popular sport I'm a fan of yeah, and hopefully it does become, like you said, that global brand and everybody's, every country starts tapping into it and it doesn't just get monopolised by uh, one country, one or two countries either. Um, Sam, I'm going to come back to you because you, des- well, you didn't desperately, but you wanted to talk about Josh Warrington and Cal Frampton's uh, plans uh, for the rest of the year. So I'm, I'm kind of going to have to hand over to you because y- you wanted to talk about these two. Yeah, I mean, obviously we- we've talked about the, the, the major names. Um that Matchroom and uh, Queensbury uh, have, and in their stables, the likes of Joshua and Fury. Um, and we talked about, obviously, Dillian White and, and the upcoming plans for them. But, obviously, there's other big stars in the UK, two of which you've named there, Josh Warrington, Carl Frampton. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to see them out um, in the near future. Obviously, Josh Warrington's just teamed back up with Eddie Ayn. He's looking for a unification fight within his division. Um, again, a division that's stacked um, with good talent. Um, we've got uh, a fight which is taking place 
tomorrow, which we'll talk about shortly um, in his division, which I'm sure Warrington will be watching um, very, very intently. So, yeah, it'll be good to see Josh Warrington back out. Um, Carl Frampton, I mean, he was in a big fight. He was, he was in with uh, Jamel Heron, um, who obviously is the champion of Super Featherweight. So, um, it, would have, it would have been an interesting one because like, Frampton's moved up in weight. Um, he's the, the smaller man. So, and that was due to take place in Northern Ireland as well. Heron would have been coming over from America to make his defence um, in Northern Ireland, which would have been tough for him. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what both guys do next. But also, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, he's sort of left in limbo as well. He's um, he'd signed to fight Canelo. Where does he go from here? Does, does that rematch get? Uh, sorry, does that match get remade? Uh, and also, Callum Smith. Also, you know, he's from my city, so I've got a, I've got a very prolonged interest in Callum Smith and what he does, and, and the Smith brothers in general. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see who he fights next. Obviously, he lost out in the race to fight. Um, Canelo uh, to Billy Joe Saunders last time out. So I am really intrigued to, to, to see who he fights up. But I think with all of them fighters, I think that they're, they're too big not, not to fight uh, in front of crowds. So I think we'll probably see them at the back end of the year. Yeah, and maybe we'll, but like you said, there is boxing on the horizon and boxing tomorrow, uh, which moves us nicely over to our next bit because we're going to leave the UKC behind for, for the time being and we're going to take a a quick trip across the pond where we have got some upcoming fights. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at what we've got tomorrow at the MGM Grand Ballroom in Las Vegas, and we've got uh, Stevenson versus Carabao, uh, Mayer uh, versus Joseph, Anderson versus Langston, uh, VNL versus uh, Hainsworth. Uh, uh, Key, thoughts on boxing tomorrow? It's a bit surreal, isn't it? It's like you, you, when I'm looking at sports returning, they're giving these dates, I'm like, that's far too too early. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, Brilliant. I mean, as long as it's it's safe, you know, first and foremost, it's it's safe for the fighters, and at least the, the measures are in place that the fighters and and whoever is will be in the uh, well. I say arena. It's probably not going to be in in the you know the the proper segment of the MGM Grand. It's obviously in the ballroom, like you said. But I mean, obviously, like the medical teams and all all those guys, trainers. As long as it's safe, then let's get it on. Let's get the fights back going. And, and as long as these guys are happy to fight in front of, in front of empty arenas, then you know, I'm sure sure the fans will watch it on the telly. So I, I'm I'm all for it. And like I said, as long as it's safe to do so, then let, let's get it going again. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you'll be able to. You you know, you'll be okay if there's no crowd as long as the prize is still the same. And speaking of the prize, Sam, one of them fights, I believe, is a world title uh, defense. It is, Rob. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I briefly mentioned it before that Josh Warrington will be watching with interest. Um, Shakur Stevenson's defending his uh, featherweight belt. Uh, Josh Warrington's the IBF champion, so he'll be looking to make a unification uh, with the winner of that fight. Um, Shakur Stevenson, uh, 2016 VO Olympian, re- held in really high regard um, over in the States. Uh, a lot of their pundits think he's going to be the next big star. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on tomorrow night. Um, it's a sort of... I don't want to be disrespectful. He's expected to win. So um, it, it would be a major shock if, if he didn't pull off the win. Uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night it is, yeah. So against uh, Carabao. I mean, Carabao's uh, record, 13-1, two draws. Stevenson undefeated in 13. So I'd expect him to win tomorrow night and win comfortably and look good doing so. Um, now, Keith, you mentioned this, actually, just uh, just as you mentioned venues, and you mentioned it a little bit, bit earlier as well. Now, in America, there's quite a bit of cross-promotion. Um, how will it affect the television networks over there? 
I mean, you can both jump in. I don't mind who jumps in first because I know you both want to talk about it. I mean, I've just got a brief point to make. Um, it, this might sort of settle some scores, if you like, the situation, because now bo- boxing more than ever, you know, every, every promotional company will want to be putting it on, won't they? So maybe this will break down some barriers in terms of cross-promotion. You know, two fighters who... It, it, it happens, in, like I mentioned before, in the UK, but in the US as well, there's so many promotional companies. You know, you've got uh, ESPN for, for the telly. I know Tyson Fury's got a, a joint deal, hasn't he, with, with, with BT and, and ESPN. Um, it, so hopefully we, the, the situation will make people realise and go, you know what? We can still make loads of money without, you know, haggling over 60, 40 percentages or whatever. Let's just get these fights on. You know, if we've got two big fighters, two world champions, um, Sam can probably think of two off, off the top of your head, but we've got two... two. We've got Stevenson right there straight away. That, that, that's the title fight that we, that's happening tomorrow. You yeah, but I, I mean, if you've, if, you, if you've got, if you've got um, you know, two world champions, you've got are under two different promotional brands usually politics will get in the way, but because everyone's so desperate to get boxing back on the, on the screens and, and, you know, back in front of people, maybe it will break down some of these barriers to make these fights. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, get, get yeah, yeah. Sam, you could probably jump in on this as well. To yeah. I mean, Kim's hundred percent right in what he's saying. I mean, for years we've been, we've been robbed of some big fights um, and we've had to wait a long, long time for other big fights. I mean, Mayweather Pacquiao was an example. Mayweather, uh, for years was promoted by Golden Boy and then by Mayweather Promotions. Pacquiao was with Top Rank and Bob Adam. The fight never got made um, for various different reasons. As Keenan mentioned, political, um, different networks, um, not wanting to share revenue. So obviously we did get it in the end, but it was it was five, six, seven years too late. Um, that's one example I can think of. But I mean, Rob, you were right in saying so. Stevenson um, is obviously in the SPM fight at the moment with Top Rank. Um, Josh Warrington just re-signed with uh, Matchroom, who obviously uh, teamed up with the zone over in the state, so again, could the policies get in the way of that 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 fights of a much less, lesser magnitude um, than obviously Mayweather and Pacquiao, so it should be a little bit easier to make. But um, yeah, I just want to see good fights. I mean, there's other fights in that division as well. You've got Gary Russell Jr., who signed with PBC. Um, he fights on Fox and Showtime. I mean, Al Heyman's notoriously difficult to deal with in terms of letting his fighters fight on other networks. But hopefully this pandemic will force managers, promoters and fighters to make the big fights and make them now and stop messing about and, and, and stop haggling, as, as Keaton said, over uh, not even so much splits, but over who's going to broadcast it. It's very, very simple. Do what uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder have just done. You, you both hold your individual broadcasts and you both take your share of the pot. It's that simple. Yeah, it, 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 can, it, can be, it can be that simple. Now, I'm just looking at my notes here, and I probably should have been a little bit more clear and looked at this. I've just got the name Canelo, and I don't think we can kind of pass the, the USC without, without speaking about him. And Sam, you laughed at that, so I'm going to come straight back to you. Yeah, well, he's just, he's the biggest star in boxing, isn't he? I mean, in terms of commercially, in terms of uh, his achievements so far in the game, he's the biggest star. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does Next, um, he's he's in a tough spot because you know he likes to fight two, twice a year. Normally, he likes to fight in May, which is obviously when he'd scheduled. Uh, he was scheduled to fight Billy Joe Saunders. Obviously, that's out the window, um, and he likes to fight in September. Is that going to be too soon in terms of um, getting a crowd into the arena? Possibly so. I mean, obviously, judging by 
you know, Americans in general, Americans always like to be the first to do everything. So they will probably be the first country to get people back in the arenas. But um, I, I, I just can't see it. I, um, being ready for September. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does next because I, I don't think Canelo can fight any big name in, in either the middleweight or the super middleweight division um, without the crowd. So does he go to Japan? As I said, obviously Japan are ahead of most of the other uh, Western countries in terms of uh, their recovery from the pandemic. Does he go to Japan and fight Murata? Uh, does he hold off? Does he fight towards the end of the year in December? We don't know, but it'll be very, very interesting. He's the pound for pound number one um, in a lot of people's eyes. Um, a lot of interest around him. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, it will be. And and you you mentioned a good point there with going to other countries. It, it also depends on how they're dealing with the, the global pandemic of coronavirus. It, you know, it might all be solved and sorted in one country, but in another country, it might still be, you know, where you plan to have a fight and then you, you've got to, uh, got to move it around again. Now, we, speaking about America, we are going to have to touch a little bit on a, on a slightly different subject and, uh, you know, it, however you want to spin this in. Um, and it's the current protests that are going on uh, over the death of George Floyd. Now, it may not seem boxing news at this, but please, please bear with me. Uh, as a boxer has kind of come to the front on this, and it's it's Floyd Mayweather. Um, you know, his persona in the public again is, you know, he he's pay, he, he's going to pay for the, uh, pay for George Floyd. I've got pay for the fella's funeral, which is possibly the kindest words that I, I, I'll, I'll come out with and, and, and the nicest way that I'll say a lot of things, but it's not the first time that Floyd Mayweather has done this in key. I'll, I'll, I'll jump to you quickly on this about his, uh, about his, uh, you know, his public image really before we, we say who else he, he's paid for. Yeah. I'll, I'll let Sam do that. Cause that was his little piece of uh, nuggets of information. But yeah, I mean, I think Sam will agree with me, you know, in the public eye, Floyd Mayweather is probably not the most, liked person is it because of his, his his sort of persona and obviously he's made mistakes in the past with you know the stuff that went on with his uh with his wife and stuff the the sort of um uh, domestic sort of violence what happened but we all made mistakes well i say we all made mistakes it's a bit serious but you know you understand what i'm saying that you know george floyd himself actually had a bit of a, a checkered past but it doesn't make what happened to him right do you know what i mean but you know i think floyd mayweather sometimes it's easy to look at him and just you know think oh he's a he was a bit of a nasty piece of work when he was in a press conference or whatever. But what a gesture. You know, I mean, I know he's got all the money in the world and that'll be, you know, a drop in the ocean for him. But it's just the gesture of it, isn't it? And, and you know, he's, he's not come out and bragged about it. He's just done it and, and got on with it. Um, and like you said, it's not the first time he's done it, like, which Sam will allude to very shortly. Yeah. Um, so, but, sorry, sorry to jump in there, Keith, but yeah, yeah, it is that, it is that um, kind of, he doesn't want to make a big fuss about it. He's just, Helping a family, if, if, if you're saying it, and, and it's not the first time he's done it. I've got so he's done it for Joe Frazier and uh, G- uh, Gennaro Hernandez, who who was one of his opponents. Sam, so I'm going to jump to you on this one. Yeah, so obviously, uh, as Katie mentioned, it's not something that Mayweather likes to make public too often. Um, he doesn't like to show the softer side to him. He's very brash, um, which causes uh, him to have a negative profile, both in the media and in the eyes of the public. Um, so he doesn't like displaying the softer side to him too often, but he, he has got previous for doing this. He paid for the funeral of Joe Frazier uh, back in, um, I, f- I want to say 2011, I think it was, um, when Joe Frazier sadly passed away. Um, but he paid for the funeral again on the on the quiet. 
uh, of Joe Frazier that I don't think he was of any um, relevance to him in terms of family or friends or anything like that. He just wanted to acknowledge uh, a fellow boxing legend. Um, and he also paid for the funeral of Gennaro Hernandez. Now, Gennaro Hernandez um, was actually uh, Mayweather's first world title win um, at, down at Super Feather. So, um, and there was actually animosity in the builder between them. Gennaro Hernandez wasn't Mayweather's biggest fan. Um, they had arguments in the, in, in the lead of the fight, as Mayweather did with most of his opponents. But um, when he sadly passed away, um, Floyd Mayweather again stepped up to the plate and paid again for all his funeral arrangements, which, as Caden as said, it, it's a drop in the ocean to him, and, you know, in terms of the money he's made over the years and continues to make, even off, you know, the back of exhibition bouts with the likes of Conor McGregor and, and the, um, and the uh, Japanese, Japanese guy whose name escapes me at the moment, but, you know, he, he doesn't have to do it, he, you know, he, he really doesn't have to, and, and the fact that he doesn't come out and speak about it actually speaks volumes about him, because, a lot of people, and you see a lot of people, especially in this day and age, when they do um, an act of generosity, um, they, they like to put it all over social media, whether, whether they're tweeting about it or whether they're putting pictures up or videos up on Instagram to try and show off that, that, that they're being generous, which to me, actually, I, I get more angry at that than what I do if someone just didn't do it in the first place. Because to me, if you're going to do something, you, you don't need the adulation of, of, of people. Um, you know, for, for completing an act of kindness. And, and Mayweather doesn't want that. He doesn't want the adulation. He, he's quite happy to do it in the background. And, and fair play to him, because the man comes in for a lot of stick. Um, you know, a lot of it deserves, as Caden said. He's, he's had a few domestic issues in the past. He's been in trouble with the Lord and stuff. But, you know, I, I'm going I'm to be one of the ones who praises him on this occasion, because, as I say, he's done it out of the kindness of his heart. And, you know, he hasn't done it for the adulation of, of both the public and the, um, and the media. So fair play to him. Yeah, he's he's not used it as a marketing tool, really, has he? Which is what what you're what you're trying to uh, get at with people putting it on social media. Somebody will do an act of kindness to then try and promote themselves. Like like you said, if it's an act of kindness, it that he doesn't need doesn't need any incentive behind it. But that's probably for another podcast on a different show on a different channel somewhere else down the line. Now I'm gonna uh, you know move away from. Well, I say I'm going to move away from the American scene and then immediately mention an American boxer. But I'm going to talk about <laughs> I'm going to ret- talk about the return of ex-fighters now. Uh, the likes of Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Sharon Briggs and Vladimir Klitschko have all been putting stuff on uh, social media, Instagram especially. I mean, Mike Tyson stuff on Instagram. I know, he's, I know he's getting on a bit, but some of his stuff to me, he doesn't box. That's frightening that he could batter me. He's an animal, isn't he? He's an absolute animal, like you said. But 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 they are wanting to to return to the ring. And you know, like I said, Tyson's been keeping him pretty good, Nick. Uh, but it's not the first time we've seen that. I know Sharon Briggs did it a few years back. Um he's he's been, you know, keeping himself in good trim as well. But Key, you mentioned this to me, and a, and a few of the current boxers have been reckoning that they could beat these ex-fighters. Just what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, and initially, I just want to agree with you. Like Mike Tyson and Holyfield both look in superb shape for their age. Klitschko, obviously, is another one we'll come on to, and, but he's just looked after himself all his life. What, he's just an absolute robot, isn't he? You know what I mean? Absolute machine is Klitschko. And then Shannon Briggs, you know, Shannon Briggs is just Shannon Briggs, isn't he? He does what he does. Um, he always seems to be in a decent nick, and he'll, he'll fight anyone anywhere. He'll, he'll fight someone in the back garden, do you know what I mean? Well, he can fight someone in uh, Eddie Hearn's back garden if he wants to. <laughs> at matchroom fight camp. Um, but yeah... It, 
I, I do, even though it's, it's positive to see them, you know, really enjoying themselves. I do. I feel quite strongly about this, that I don't think they should get back in the ring, even if they're fighting each other, people of their own age, even if Tyson and Holyfield have another fight. Um, and definitely if they're going to fight someone who's, you know, fighting and active now, who is, you know, some, some of them could be half their age. I don't, I don't agree with it. I think boxing is a really dangerous sport anytime. It doesn't matter how good you feel, um, how hard you're hitting a punch bag or some pads. It's a dangerous sport, especially at that age and at heavyweight level as well. They punch hard. And well, Mike Tyson was one of the, well, probably the most ferocious puncher in, in the history of the heavyweight division. Um, you, but you yeah, I don't that, feel. But it, but it wasn't that, that many years ago that Cl- Vladimir Klitschko was in the ring with Anthony Joshua. So yeah. So does um, three three years make a big big difference? Three or four years. But watching that watching that fight, the Klitschko fight, just before I move on to people who've said they could beat Mike Tyson, um, the the I think Klitschko, if Klitschko was three to five years younger, and when he dropped Joshua in the sixth round, he would have he would have stopped him if he was three to five years younger. But he didn't capitalize on it, and then Joshua, you know, got the second win, and he ended up finishing the fight in the eleventh. It's a young man's game. It really is a young man's game. And, you know, people will laugh at me for this, what I'm going to say now. And they, they would have laughed at Dave Allen when he said it as well. But he said if Tyson got back into the ring and he fought Dave Allen, Dave Allen would beat him. And I genuinely think he would. I, I, people forget that Mike Tyson was towards, towards the end of his career. He lost to Danny Williams, who's a bang average heavyweight. I mean, I don't want to criticise, I don't want to criticise people because obviously I, <laughs> I would not get into the ring with Danny Williams or any heavyweight for that matter. But when, if you're looking at levels, he was. So if, if Tyson was losing, you know, to that calibre of opponent then, and you know it's time to call it a day then, then I think, you know, stepping into the ring with someone who's significantly young with him um, is dangerous. But I also do think it's dangerous if him and Holyfield get in as well. So, so, so then from, from what you've said then, is it more risk over reward or reward over risk? I mean, Bernard Hopkins was in his 50s when he returned and won a world title. And then George Farmer was in his 40s and he did that, did that the same. I mean, Sam, is there a reward there to have? Yeah, in terms of financially, they'll always be interested in the older fighters returning, especially the likes of Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. I mean, Shannon Briggs, maybe not so much because um, it just didn't have the profile of, of them guys. But, I mean, we've seen ourselves, Vladimir Klitschko gets asked everywhere he goes if he's going to make a comeback um, because of his performance in the Anthony Joshua fight. I mean, I don't think anyone would be asking Klitschko the question if his last fight was against Tyson Fury because he stunk the place out. But, Against Anthony Joshua, as Keaton said, he, he put on he he won he, he won back the clock, and he was he was brilliant in that fight and put on a, a real good performance. As Keaton said, five years prior, if that fight had took place five years prior, he might have finished the fight, um, or probably would have finished the fight. But I would also argue if Anthony Joshua was five fights further down the line, then it, you know it's a game of ifs, buts, and maybes. Um, but it's as regards, timing, isn't it? Of course it is. Of course it is. But, you know, as regards, my, my, this is probably, you know, the first time on the podcast where we're in complete disagreement because <laughs> as, as regards um, the comebacks of the older individuals, I'm all for it as long as they're fighting each other. Um, I've not got a problem with it. Listen, would, would I want them taking space on a matchroom card or, or a, a, a PBC card or, or any American card or even a Frank Warren card? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want them robbing the current active fighters of an opportunity of being on live television. However, if they were going to have an next ambition bout between themselves, i.e. Tyson versus Holyfield rematch again, possibly Briggs versus Klitschko, I mean, everyone would love to see that just because of the flipping 
the um, the undercard, uh, not the undercard, the uh, the press conference. Do you know what I mean? So um, that'd be a really, really interesting watch. But as I say, it has to be in the right. It has to be on the right uh, network. It has to be at the right time, and it has to be. It it, it can't be to the detriment of the current active fighters. Um, as as Caden's right in saying, you know, about the health. I mean, I, I would seriously worry for the health of, of all the individuals if they were fighting people who were younger than them. Because as you said, it's a younger man's sport, younger man's game. Um, they have got an advantage um, by doing that, uh, by, by obviously stepping in the ring um, at a younger age. But what if they're fighting each other, they're both at the same age. Obviously, in terms of fitness, they might be at different fitness levels, but they're relatively going to be similar in terms of health and in terms of you know, it can't be any more similar in terms of experience. So I'm all for it as long as it's in the right context and in the right setting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Sorry, that's, you... that's the thing. If you're going to have an exhibition, maybe it's worth bringing back. If there are other boxers of, of different, you know, weights, maybe Joel Calzaghe might be up for it. Anybody wants to give him a bell? Anybody got an inch number? Uh, but but like you like, that's I mean, Froch. <laughs> <laughs> but like like you, you mentioned Sam about uh, Shannon Briggs and Vladimir Klitschko, that that would be a pure exhibition. I mean, you could hold that press conference in you know a car garage if you really wanted to, and it'd still be something. I mean, the last time <laughs> Shannon Briggs absolutely pestered Vladimir Klitschko, that was all that was everywhere. And when he's back. To, he's he's back doing it now. <laughs> the man is just. Uh, I mean, I love Shannon Briggs. I think, as a personality, he's great. Do I think he should fight again? Uh, in terms of fighting the younger heavyweights, possibly not. Um, if he wants to do an exhibition with the likes of Klitschko or Tyson or Holyfield, I'm all for that. But he's now getting to an age as well where um, I wouldn't like to see him fighting any of the younger heavyweights. But in terms of, from a sheer entertainment value, I'd love to see Shannon Briggs back in a press conference. He's absolute dynamite. I mean, the David Day press conference was one of the funniest things I've you know, ever seen in terms of boxing. It was just, <laughs> you know, starts reeling off the names of supermarkets um, as to where David Hay got his opponent from, mispronoun- mispronouncing them, obviously being an American. It was just absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously, we've all seen the videos of when he chased Klitschko around Germany um, and when he when he chased him around uh, Miami as well. Um, you know, on the paddleboard, he, he, obviously we've all seen that infamous video where uh, he knocks him off the paddleboard. So, yeah, I mean, these fights, the exhibitions would definitely create a lot of hype, but that's exactly what they are, they're exhibitions. But I can understand the, uh, sorry, Rob, I can understand the entertainment side of it, I can, because it, it's appealing to me, like, just if you just listen to it and look at it on face value, listening, like, hearing Mike Tyson could come back, like, that's incredible, but, you know, and, and it's a good point you made about health, actually, because everyone's health's at risk, no matter your age, I think you're more suspect, susceptible if you're, you're older, but there's, there's, there's fighters now who can get injured just as easily. Um, but my point is, you, I think you know when to call it a day, and it's horrible when you see a boxer, you know, that, that comes to end of career. The one that springs to mind, which was recent, was John O'Carroll absolutely battered Scott Quigg, and you knew it was the end yeah, for Scott Quigg. And it was, hor- it was horrible to see it happen, um, but he knew he had to call it a day. And there's a reason boxers retire, because they know they have to call it a day. And we've got we've got Ricky Atten written down there, and that's another example. He tried to come back and lost. And yeah. then Kell Brook beat the opponent that beat Ricky Atten in, was it the very next fight, Sam? So it's Yeah, I believe it was, yeah. I believe it was his very next fight, or, or one or two fights down the line. Uh, but Kell Brook demolished him in a, inside a, couple, a few rounds, maybe three, three rounds, I think it was, something like that. So, um, yeah, I, again, that, that, that's why I sort of, um, 
Ricky, Ricky Hatton's an example of someone who came back. Uh, obviously, he, he, was, he wasn't the same fighter, but he come back and, and was fighting at a level that he was previously fighting at, and he couldn't do it. His body wouldn't allow him to do it, um, which is why I think if Mike Tyson was to fight someone like Dave Allen, for example, I mean, I'm completely different to Keith. I think Mike Tyson would beat Dave Allen. I, you know, I love Dave Allen. <laughs> but Dave Allen is extremely limited as a heavyweight, and I know he'll probably you know, be looking for my address later on tonight, but he's... To me, he's a limited heavyweight. And Mike Tyson, you know, has got dynamite in both hands. And that's the last thing to go was your big shot, your big punch. And Mike Tyson's got it in both hands. I do think that's a tough fight for both Dave Allen and Mike Tyson. But what I would say is is that neither of them stand to gain anything from that fight. Them two in particular, if they were to fight each other. I mean, if Dave Allen wins against Mike Tyson, he was always expected to win because he's the younger man. Dave Allen loses. He's the laughing stock of British boxing. If Mike Tyson beats Dave Allen, it's Dave Allen. And if Mike Tyson gets beat by Dave Allen, it's why well, he shouldn't have come back anyway. So why not stay in your lanes? If Mike Tyson's going to come back, and I'm using Mike Tyson as an example, it could be Evander Holyfield, as I said, it could be Shannon Briggs. Vladimir Klitschko is a slightly different entity because I do believe that Klitschko could come back and compete. Um, I, I personally believe Vladimir Klitschko would demolish Deontay Wilder. That's just my personal thought. Um, and that's not discrediting Deontay Wilder in any shape or form. Deontay Wilder's a great fighter, but I just think that Vladimir Klitschko is just all wrong for Deontay Wilder because he, one, he's got a great jab himself, and two, he's got an over, you know, overhand right as good as Wilder's in terms of, you know, the way he throws it. So, um, yeah, Vladimir Klitschko's probably the only one out of, out of the, the X-Fighters that could probably come back and compete at that level, but the rest of them, uh, stay in the lanes, fight each other if you're going to fight or don't fight at all. I'm, I'm going to throw this this last bit, this last question open to, to both of you before we move on to the bit that where, where we wrap up the podcast. Is it for the casual? I'm not bothered to answer the first, but is an, an ex-fighter returning for the casual fans? Not necessarily, but I think the casual fans would be more accepting of it, if you know what I mean. And they would be, like I was saying, like, I think you, me, me and Sam, like, not, not you know, blowing our own trumpets, but we have quite a, a decent knowledge of the sport, really. I mean, anyone can recognise it. Like I keep saying, it's a dangerous sport, and I think casual fans don't understand that sometimes. Like, when Andy Ruiz battered Joshua in the first fight, they were like, how can Andy Ruiz beat Joshua? Look, Joshua's chiselled, Andy Ruiz is, you know, he's a chubby guy, you know what I mean? But there was, you've got to think of all the different factors that were, you know, went into that fight. Joshua had done half a training camp for the, someone the size of Jarrell Miller. So he was beefed up. He was, he was big, he, he, like heavier than he had been. Um, so Andrew Ruiz cause was, was a completely different prospect. That's just an example. But you, I think casual fans, they'll just go, oh yeah, Mike Tyson, like for the nostalgia. Um, but in reality, there's a lot more to think about, which they may not necessarily know or have an interest in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. In, in terms of, um, is it for the casual fans? The casual fans will definitely take more interest to it and there would definitely be a lot more objections from the hardcore. Um, I, I do think there'd still be some interest from the hardcore, um, especially if it, as, as, as I said before, it'd be exhibitions. I think, I think maybe they would be more accepting of that, but they would not want to see Mike Tyson versus Dave Allen on a matching card. It just, there'd be uproar in terms of the hardcore. I mean, as I say, the casuals, would be up for that because they love Dave Allen and they love Mike Tyson. So um, I'm sure they would like to see that. But me personally, I wouldn't like to see that. I would say I probably fall into the hardcore category as does Keenan. Um, I wouldn't like to see that 
Um, I don't mind them facing each other. Similar, very similar to um, the the YouTubers. Um, there was, you know, a massive criticism of Matrim for putting on the YouTube fights. Um, Logan Paul, KSI, and uh, Jake Paul, and, and uh, Anderson Gibb. But to me, I can see why Eddie Hearn's done it. It makes money, and it's making it's, it's getting to zone subscribers. However, I do feel that in future, if they, they are to take place, then they should take place on their own card. Um, and Eddie Hearn puts on a separate night for YouTubers and just getting YouTubers in general because there's there's not you know. It, it is a little bit disrespectful that KSI and Logan Paul headlined um, a card which had Devin Haney on it, defending his world title. So, um, yeah, that's where I stand on it. Um, I do think that the casuals would definitely be more, more interested. Yeah, and, you know, for, for somebody who's not like a hardcore boxing fan like yourself, maybe maybe that's why, you know, the names and seeing Mike Tyson jump up, it's like all the, the current active boxers are doing their training equally as much as all these. And I think it's because it's, it's like you said, it's a big name. It's for the nostalgia. Uh, but you did mention a name that brings us on very, very nicely to fights we'd like to see. So as we wrap up the last few minutes of this podcast, we're just going to basically, I'm going to open this up to Key and Sam about fights we'd like to see. And, you know, who, who we'd like to see. And you, you've already mentioned Devin Haney. And we've got this bold in red, and one that you desperately wanted to talk about, it was Devin Haney, Lomachenko and Javonta Davis. Obviously not in the ring at the same time, but key. Yeah, not, not a triple threat. Um, <laughs> no, we, we, we've already briefly touched on, you know, divisions that are, are absolutely packed full of talent. And this division, lightweight, is no exception. And these three are all superb fighters. Um, Lomachenko is the WBA super champion. Um, Javante Davis is WBA regular. And Devin Haney is the, uh, the WBC. Um, and basically, I'd just like to see any of them three fight one of the other one multiple times in, you know, two, three fight deals and just fight each other forever, basically. The, the, it, jokes aside, they're, they're all, I mean, we all know Lomachenko's quality. We all know Lomachenko's quality. Um, we watched him uh, beat Luke Campbell. We put a, a fantastic effort in against him. I mean, he, he, he hardly laid a glove on him, to be honest, but the effort he put in against him, because he's just extraordinary as Lomachenko. And Luke Campbell's actually another one you can throw into that mix, because I'm sure Eddie Earn will secure him another world title shot somewhere down the line. Um, John T. Davis, I mean, um, him and Devin Haney have, have had a bit of beef um, on social media, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, Mr. May- Mr. Mayweather's much, being at the centre. Hasn't he? So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what happens in, in the lightweight division. Um, as Keaton said, to, it's the best division in boxing for me at the moment. I know everyone talks about the welterweight. Um, it's always been a prestige division within boxing, but the lightweight is absolutely on fire. You've got, as you said, his name uh, Vasily Lomachenko, who for a lot of people is the pound for pound number one up there with Canelo. Um, you've got uh, Devin Haney, as he said, WBC champion. You've got uh, Ryan Garcia, who wasn't named. Now, Ryan Garcia is a, a big, big talent who's coming through in the lightweight division. Uh, Luke Campbell. You've got Teofimo Lopez, who's, who's the current IBF champion, who's just took the title. Uh, there's a lot of big names in that lightweight division who are sniffing around the top of the lightweight division as well, who aren't actually champions. And there's some big, big fights to be made. Javante Davis, as he's already said as well. Now, now there's a bit of beef between Javante Davis and it's Evan Haney because of Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather was meant to be promoting Javante Davis, but he's training Devin Haney, conflict of interest. It, it's madness. It, it, boxing is a mad sport. It really is mad. 
Now another one, you know, another fight that we you wanted to mention. You've already mentioned it, light welterweight, and I just like the notes that we've got next to this. All the belts, and it's Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. Uh, <laughs> before I come to you, Sam, uh, Keith, your thoughts on that fight? Well, I just love an all the belts fight. You don't see it that often, do you? You don't. You no. don't. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. The, the last sort of person I can remember winning every single belt in the division was uh, Usyk in cruiserweight division, and that was because he competed in the uh, the World Boxing Super Series, and basically all the champions in a cruiserweight division entered it, which fair play to him for doing it, because you don't see it often. Uh, Josh Taylor, um, I really, really like him, really like him. He was in an absolute scrap with uh, Regis Progre in his, in his last fight and, and just edged it, um, and obviously we got that down on the notes at some point. Uh, I know Sam wants to see that fight uh, happen again, the rematch. But yeah, Taylor against Ramirez, I think that's a fight, Sam, that's got to be in, in front of the crowd, hasn't it? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's a tough one, that fight, because obviously it could take place in America. I know Jose Ramirez, he's um, of Mexican heritage, but obviously is American, I think. Um, so he sells really well uh, down in the Southern American states. Um, so obviously Josh Taylor's just signed over there with top rank. So um, potentially that could be in the States, but also it could take place in Scotland and Taylor could sell, Taylor could sell off a football stadium. Um, right now he's that popular in the UK especially after beating Regis Pro Grey on Sky Box Office so he's a, he's a major talent Josh Taylor um, it'd be very interesting to see how he copes with the change of trainer because I thought him and Shane McGuigan were a match made in heaven um, obviously he's now training with Ben Davison so it'd be interesting to see how he copes with that but yeah Josh Taylor versus uh, Josie Ramirez for all the belts is, is one of the big fights I want to see Um towards the end of the year, if not towards the end of the year, the early part of next year. But I'd also love to see, the, as Keaton said, the Regis Progray 2 fight. It's just, I mean, that fight was, that fight had absolutely everything, didn't it, last year? It was, it, that was the best fight of 2019 for me. I'm going to, I mean, we've got a few more uh, fights we'd like to see lined up. I mean, Fury Joshua, it, everybody will probably talk about it. Spencer Crawford, Billy John Canelo and Dillian White, Deontay Wilder, but we're going to have to save them for another time, gentlemen. And, I, the the company has been an absolute pleasure and it's been great discussing boxing with you. Um, so, Kieran, thank you very much for, for taking the time out of your busy Monday, well, busy evening, and Sam, exactly the same for you as well. It's been an absolute pleasure seeing you both. And again, thank you for talking boxing. You've certainly educated me uh, and kind of want, I kind of now want to get in and watch a few fights now. So, might have to stay up for that one tomorrow night as we see Stevenson uh, defend, <laughs> defend his title. I might not because I'm going to work in the, work in the morning. Uh, no, but thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, uh, that does wrap up our, our podcast today for Match Day FM. You can catch up um, the rest of the podcast that we've done on Match Day FM. So that's rugby league, football, horse racing, snooker. We're going to cover quite a lot of sports and, and be sure to keep a lookout for the other podcasts which are coming on the way. We've got Euro Championship and Premier League goals as well. So uh, keep a look out for them. If you want to keep in touch with Match Day FM, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the World Wide Web, everywhere else. I think, you know, pretty much wherever you can put a domain we are and you can listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Music and, of course, Anchor FM and on the website. Uh, again, thank you to Kieran and Sam for taking the time out of your evening to talk to us. We have been Match Day FM. <laughs>